Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Entering Stage Right. I am D. Paul Thomas, actor and playwright, podcasting from the heartland of America, right here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and joining me all the way from the left coast, but of course, always entering stage right, is my wonderful co-host, the actor-director of some of the biggest hits in TV history, and we have a very special day on our hands, don't we, Sir Philip Charles McKenzie? Yes, good morning, and good morning to our listeners. Uh, you know, before we, we have a great show lined up uh, today, but uh, before we go, and it will uh, also um, lead us into our subject uh, of the day, is uh, today is Veterans Day, oh, yes. <clears throat> uh, which, uh, if, if people forget it, it was November 11th because peace in the end of First World War was the 11th day at the 11th hour that World War I ended. So we are celebrating and giving uh, thanks to all of uh, the military uh, throughout the ages uh, of our country who have given uh, their lives um, to protect us, our country, and our way of life. And I would like to add today, too, and it's going on right at the moment, uh, the wonderful and beloved uh, Israeli soldiers, the men and women who are fighting for the, um, for the life of their country and some of them have been uh, have been lost, and I want to uh, want to acknowledge and celebrate them mm-hmm. as well. Which, D. Paul, if you would uh, uh, lead us into um, our show today, indeed. And our very special guest that's with us is Leo Leibovitz. He's the editor at large for Tablet Magazine. I think really the smartest magazine out there, folks. If you haven't gone to it. Uh, and as editor-at-large, he is far more than a figurehead. He is a prolific contributor to it. Uh, also does a weekly culture podcast called Unorthodox and uh, a daily Talmud podcast called Take One that I have found inspirational on more than one occasion. And um, Lille was with us uh, last year, and we spoke about his turn, his own transitions, uh, that reflect much of what we have experienced as artists and as uh, those that uh, view the body politic. And uh, it's just great. Uh, he, he writes frequently for The Nation, New Republic, and had a super article this past week in Newsweek as well. And, uh, Leal, it's just an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Entering Stage Right. Shalom to you both. What a pleasure to be back. And uh, it, 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 it's 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 our it's our pleasure as well. And uh, these are not uh, these are not good times. Uh, uh, and uh, it's what, where we're, we are extra grateful for you to be with us. Uh, Deepal and I have spent the last uh, two full episodes uh, dealing with the the horror that happened on October seventh, and uh, you uh, you know uh, being a native of Israel and having come here, you 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 have so much more of a connection to the actual uh, country uh, of of Israel and uh, the proximity uh, to uh, the Gazans and the uh, and the Palestinians. I, I I'd like to um, uh, I, I'd like to uh, ask you a question to get the ball rolling here. Um, because I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I've been going back and forth on it. Are you surprised at the depth and breadth of the universal reaction of hate for the Jews throughout the world? 
I think anyone who is surprised truly uh, has not been paying attention to the previous, oh, 2023 seasons uh, of this particular reality show called uh, The Jews Among the Nations. Um, I, am, I am sadly not surprised, but I, but I want to slightly reframe the question because I don't think that what we're seeing is just hate. I think we're seeing a whole lot of love as well. Mm-hmm. And what I really think we're seeing, uh, and this is a very important point for me and I think for everyone to realize, is what this war is truly about. This is not uh, a war between Israel and Hamas taking place mainly in a thin strip of land called Gaza far, far away. Uh, this is not even a, a war between you know the Jews writ large and the Arabs writ large. This is truly a war between, on the one hand, the so-called axis of resistance, uh, the name that they chose, not, not ours, uh, led by Iran, but including also Hamas and Hezbollah, the Russians, the Chinese, and a whole host of other people who are fighting wherever they could fight. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, a host of civilized nations, and they include Israel, they include the Saudis, they include the Americans, they include the French, they include the Indians, uh, who understand that the fate of the entire world, more or less, depends on our ability to crush those who will not give a second thought to raping women and beheading babies and terrorizing and kidnapping civilians. Uh, that is our fight. It's our fight in Kiev. It's our fight in Artsakh, in, in Armenia. Uh, and it's our fight in, in Israel. And if the fight is not to get to the streets of the United States of America, which I pray it does not, uh, we have to engage in it now on favorable terms. Well, I, you know, uh, uh, there's also, yes, p- point very well taken. Uh, also, I was uh, noticing, I've been following closely the, uh, the, the, the violence. Uh, um, it, it, you know, the left loves to say that words are violence, you know, which is sort of, you know, bizarre but uh, watching watching in the last few weeks and uh, uh, just watching some uh, footage yesterday grand central station of mm-hmm. of of people cr- smashing in the doors and 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 jewish students in universities uh, being advised to stay out of sight uh you know th- 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 this has also become uh, not only reflective of the hatred of uh, Jews, as you said, throughout you know throughout history, um, but it 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 aligns it aligns perfectly with the left and this colonialist nonsense of uh, you know, calling Israelis colonial colonialists having been there for three thousand years. Um, but it, it it is aligning perfectly with the with the with the critical race theory. And and they're the oppressors, the oppressed, and 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 Israelis are not only colonialists; they are white, and it's falling right into that. And that is what I think. In addition to what you just said, is uh, is what's ca- taking this to a whole nother level. It just falls in line. I was watching, you know, some of this violence uh, in New York, and it's happening in other places. And it's you know they're waving Palestinian flags, but it's Antifa. It's the same thing. It's all one of a piece. 
And uh, so it, it, it shows the hatred for, uh, for the civilization and the civilized way of life and, yeah. and, 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 and uh, you know, <clears throat> mixing that in the mixing bowl with, with the hatred of Jews. You know, it's, it's just amazing because you, you see these things, uh, all these things that you so poignantly describe. And your first move as, as a rational, reasonable thinking human is to say, okay, well, how do I parse this? How do I make sense of this? Uh, and your first move as a rational thinking human is facts, right? You say, uh, excuse me, but you know, there are historical, archeological, you know, scientific artifacts that uh, date this presence of Jews in the land of Israel as you said, thousands and thousands of years back, the uh, the argument of so-called colonialism is, is absurd. Excuse me, uh, but you are you know making all kinds of allegations about Jews being white. Sixty percent of our nation comes from Iraq, Yemen, Egypt, Syria, etc. You, you try these lines of argument, and you notice right away that they fall on very flat ears and on very heavy hearts uh, on people mm. who are not interested in engaging with you, which leads you to believe uh, that we're not actually having uh, a good-natured, good-hearted exchange of, 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 of ideas. Uh, what is going on there? Uh, and I think the overall notion that this is part of a larger ideology uh, that not only hates Israel and hates Jews, but also very much hates America, right. is precisely the point. Look, for the last 30, if not you know, more than that, years, uh, our finest institutions of higher learning, many, as you guys know better than anyone, of our culture producing industries, et cetera, et cetera, uh, have been in the thrall of these very, very, very dangerous, pernicious ideas, which too many of us dismissed as, oh, you know, it's just chatter in graduate seminars. It's not a big deal. These people would sober up when they get to the real world. Yes. Except now you know that ideas have consequences, and, and these people are providing you know, aid and, and comfort to, to an enemy in a time of actual global conflict. Lionel, I'd like to focus in a little, a little closer in on what you're saying. And I think your alma mater is Columbia University, is it not, sir? Sadly, it is. Yes. So <laughs> perhaps emblematically, you can uh, tell our listeners a little bit what's been going on there, because I think this represents exactly what you're talking about there at Columbia. Uh, what has been going on there is that the uh, the uh, the overeducated Einsatzgruppen uh, have been rummaging around campus, waving Hamas flags, uh, talking about our martyrs. Uh, you know, it's no longer just that pernicious call from the river to the sea, which, of course, if you look at the map of the Middle East, you understand that they're talking about making the territory between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. Uh, free from Jews, which is, you know, sort of a genocidal claim. But yes. let's say that this is somehow, quote unquote, acceptable. I don't think it is. Let's say we take it. To see people talk about our martyrs, uh, the language of the international jihadi coalition, to see people engage in actual violence. A, an Israeli student was smashed over the head. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, real altercations all over campus. Uh, that is that is deeply, deeply uh, worrying. Now, here's what's even more worrying. What's more worrying, and, and now we are stepping from, from the realm of rage into the realm of consequence, uh, is the fact that these uh, mobs of students um, are not spontaneous. These are not kids who woke up one morning and said, 
hey, you know what I'm going to do on a Saturday? Yeah, I'm going to bash the Jews. Uh, thankfully, that doesn't happen in America. These are well-organized groups. Uh, right. Some of them are called Students for Justice in Palestine. They all have flowery mm-hmm. names. Uh, they are funded by the precise same people who fund Hamas. Uh, they are Qatari operations. Uh, some of them are funded by George Soros, uh, the, the world's greatest agent of chaos. Uh, and, and these are mobilized efforts uh, to mm-hmm. go out there and disrupt these campuses in order to you know, foment this kind of, of, of dissent. It's yet another front in a very large war. You know, it, 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 it also, it, <laughs> I, I can't think of the expression, but uh, you, you know, when, when the curtain comes down and, and, and people who profess, uh, uh, you know, certain uh, ideologies and ways of working, as, as an example, uh, presidents uh, of universities and, and how cowardly they are, um, <clears throat> That uh, that they that they are more interested in getting the billions of dollars, as you said, from Qatar mm-hmm. and other places to and, you know, that they that they've been that they've been sucking on the teat of that largesse for a long time. And and they are and when they did and when they uh, have put out statements uh, going back to just after October 11th, the statements were so mealy mouth. They they were just it, they always have to like play it down the middle. You know, it's like what the Biden administration did. Pe- people are getting people are babies are being burned alive in the oven, and they start celebrating anti-Islamophobia Day. What the you know? I, it it is it is it is it is that it was is rather so, tone. Death, don't you think? Uh, tone deaf. It is. It is. It is, it is so twisted, and and uh, e- even now, the, the the thank thank goodness for the. And I'm you know you're well aware of this of, of some high rollers uh, who donate to universities saying no 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 you you you, you got to stop this or or you're you're losing my money. And then they might come out with a stronger statement. So the cowardice of the of academia is uh, has also been uh, brought way to the fore. You know, one, one reason this is, this is one of my absolute favorite shows is that every, every question is really an invitation to six or seven much deeper, much weightier issues. Uh, let me, let me <laughs> That's point why out, we're here. <laughs> let, let me point out two, two here in, in, in this, in this uh, just, just in this question alone. The first is universities. And, and look, you don't even have to, be, uh, to go as far as say, like, well, these people are sucking on the teeth of Qatar or the Chinese Communist Party. Although if you look at the numbers, it is very clear that they are. It's also a much larger shift in how American universities have come to see themselves. They have come to see themselves as primarily big businesses. Uh, They see students not as young men and women to educate, but as customers to satisfy. They cannot afford this kind of, you know, shenanigans anymore because there are multi-billion dollar businesses that sell franchises, you know, like an Arby's to to Shanghai, to Doha, et cetera, et cetera. So so that is... I think one major reason why when you're looking at American universities, don't be surprised that, that the presidents of the university would sound just like any other Weasley CEO whose main <laughs> calculation is a bottom line, like how much money can I afford to lose over this particular question? The bigger, the bigger issue, though, that I think, and this goes back to the statement uh, from the White House and others, is really the question, and I've been thinking about this and if I may, drinking about this nonstop since October 7th. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a question of morality. Uh, I think what, what is becoming really apparent uh, in the wake of these attacks is that we have paid a very heavy price for spending decades uh, educating our kids away 
from simple, good, old-fashioned Judeo-Christian, and for that matter, Islamic morality of, of the existence of good and evil, two yeah. distinct concepts that don't require both side nowism, that don't require intricacies and complexities. There's nothing complex or intricate about beheading babies. It is an act of pure and sheer evil and needs to be punished accordingly. That's the end of the story. There is no other side to the story. And this is not a statement of geopolitics or, or national identity. This is a statement of pure human morality. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it reminds me, Philip and uh, Lille, in uh, the essay uh, that, that uh, you wrote this week, uh, the, the one responding to uh, Barack Obama when you wrote the article, We Aren't Complicit, uh, It's You Who Has Blood on Your Hands. And I loved how you, in that article, and I'm just going to quote it real, real quickly, and you can uh, riff off of it, a gentleman in Lille in particular, uh, you wrote only a mind gripped by the erotic pole of theory would look at the 2009 demonstrations in Iran, the so-called Green Revolution, and decide that America ought to side not with the huddled masses yearning to breathe free, but with the jailers, the murderous mullahs who beat women to death for not wearing proper head coverings, execute gays, and kidnap Americans for ransom like common criminals. And it's just amazing to think that these so-called peace and justice and loving protesters who are out there, are they oblivious to the fact that this is in truth what they are supporting? They would no more want to be a part of it in terms of actual living it out uh, than, than, than we would, no? First of all, Deepa, I have to tell you, uh, when you read my words, they sound so much more profound to me. <laughs> so I, I, I ought to call you every time I write anything. This sounds amazing. Thank you for To get hey, the intonations. Uh, hey, yes. hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be a tablet's uh, a voice person, you know, oh, so that any one of them can be alive. <laughs> Let me know when you have it in the budget, please. The voice from the mountaintop. Uh, look, I, I, there's, there's a word that, that, uh, that our friends on the left uh, seem to love. Uh, dearly, and that word is privilege. Uh, and sometimes it's used in, in, in really silly and, and even nefarious fashions. But I think there's one instance in which uh, it's actually uh, completely correct. The privilege of living, uh, you know, in a remove from the consequences of your opinions. The freedom mm -hmm. to say like, hey, uh, I think it's a good idea as some kind of theory what would happen if we, quote, unquote, integrate Iran into the Middle East? What would happen if we uh, gave them hundreds of billions of dollars and, right. and sort of discussed uh, in negotiations with them what kind of weapons they will and will not be allowed to have? Won't that eventually just lead uh, to the, quote, unquote, moderates uh, coming to power? Because all people are good and all everyone wants is a thriving, happy life with a flat screen TV and a nice new car. Sure, that is a theoretically completely defensible idea, except for if you've lived anywhere else but, you know, Calorama or the University of Chicago. <laughs> uh, well, you're, you're, you're also talking about another, uh, another word as well, Leo, is, is, is reality. Uh, 
Right. You know, uh, I'm 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 old enough to remember. You know, in the, in the hippie days, I had a, this friend, this woman, one of the funniest women ever. She she would walk around jokingly saying, "Peace, love, granola." You know, and <laughs> and when she said it was funny, but you know what? What what you were talking about, reflecting on what Obama and this, uh, what, you know, the, the 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 faculty lounge kind of conversations is that if we're all just nice to each other, everything will be swell. That is not reality that is not reality just look at the history here at, at the end of world war ii six million jews 11 12 million people maybe even more slaughtered in world war ii evil finally uh, is 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 uh, rather good finally triumphed over true evil yeah did people in dresden get killed yeah well that's the way it goes and 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 at the same time and then when israel finally gets a place of their own after after millennia and millennia of being of 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 being the 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 universal scapegoat and uh, you know that that one thinks finally we'll have it finally we'll have it and every Everything will change. Everybody's mind will change. Well, that's not the way the world works. Good has meaning, good meaning morality, a sense of right and wrong has always got to be re not imposed but re always has pe people have to be reminded of the difference and something else you said and i know it's it, it it's sort of jokey on uh, you know on uh, uh, twitter and places is is the unreality of 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 queers for palestine those signs it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like what world are you living in they literally executed Hamas literally executed one of their own uh, senior officials last year because they just suspected him, not know for a fact that he was gay. But look, I, I, I want to dive down into into this into this question of morality because because it's really interesting. It has it has it has an even more nefarious layer. I, I think my my role here, gentlemen, is to take the things that you are uh, saying and 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 make them even more depressing. <laughs> Please. Because that's what everyone wants, right? No, uh, go ahead. Me, take us, go. take us, take us let, to let the take, let me take us down that road, yes. Here is here's what is just uh driving me completely insane. Um I, I, I will go about this in a somewhat long winded way, but I promise there's there's a you know terrifying point at the end. Uh a couple weeks ago, as you may have heard, Israel started showing a forty five minute long video uh of mostly footage captured right. by yeah. the Hamas. It is it is unbearable. Uh, it has been my uh, my duty, uh, and in a very strange way, my privilege to uh, to watch it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen it, and I, I don't care to share anything that I've seen. Uh, I just I just want to I just want to speak of one thing mm -hmm. that uh, I think has been made public since and could be easily found online, and uh, and is not graphic at all, uh, but is the one item that is haunting me. Like, mm -hmm. like a nightmare ever since, because it is a phone call from one of those terrorists. And he is uh, hopped up on drugs because they're, they're all given the equivalent of crystal meth before this attack so that they have, you know, kind of superhuman, beastly, mm -hmm. uh, beastly type powers. Uh, and so he's calling uh, sort of a, in, a, in, a, in a cheerful, you know, almost peppy way. He's calling his parents and he's saying, Mom, Dad, you'll never guess. I killed 10 Jews. By the way, he doesn't say... Israelis or occupiers or colonizers mm. who says, I killed 10 Jews. I send you photos on WhatsApp. Please look at them. Mm. And at that point, you know, time kind of slows down. And I'm mm. thinking, you know, I have, two, I have two children. And I'm thinking, God forbid, what, what would I do? 
if I got a call from one of my children、mm. and heard this, I would lose my mind. I would shout. I would break. You would hear me falling apart.、Mm-hmm. And the father says very calmly, "God bless you, son."、Mm-hmm. And the mother says, somewhat more emotionally, "Okay, you did your work. Come back home now. Be safe." And now I'm thinking to myself, my problem isn't Hamas killing twenty, thirty, forty thousand terrorists. Is something that you know countries like Israel know how to do very well. What about that dad? What about that mom? What about that little sister、mm-hmm. who's growing up in this environment? And and here's where the 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 plot gets much you know thicker and darker for me because we look at the population in Gaza. I have the privilege of reading Arabic. I follow this very very closely,、uh, and I wonder to myself, where are the people who are standing out and saying, not in our name? Give those people back. Send those people free. Release these hostages. We've had courageous people like that stand out in Nazi Germany. We've seen people in Syria stand up to their tyrannical regime. We've seen people in Iraq, in Iran,、mm-hmm. in not well in Iran, in in、uh, Tunisia, in Egypt. We've seen courage and and determination from free、uh, people all over the Arab world. You are seeing nothing.、Mm-hmm. You are seeing nothing in、mm-hmm. Gaza. And that is just devastating. Is that is that、uh, this just popped into my head? Is that is is that is 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 that a result of?、Uh, and I don't mean to be glib about this. Years and years of brainwashing. I mean, you know, brainwashing is a, is a real thing. You know, I know I, I did a big study of it during the, you know during the Korean War with Americans、uh, being you know in prison camps and that kind of brainwashing and what's going on in universities. But if you live a non-Hamas Palestinian person or non-Hamas person who lives in the Gaza Strip, aren't they、uh, through fear and repetition? And everything, and, and and using what aspects of the Quran feed into that? Aren't isn't that a isn't that a, a a brainwashing as well to be able to say you know oh you did your work come home and have some cookies what it, it, that, that there seems to be a disconnect there. I think it's a it's a very specific form of brainwashing. It's a very nefarious form of brainwashing. It's a it's a it's a sort of programming, if you will, that focuses all of its attention on. On the false hope that a Israel can be destroyed, b Israel will be destroyed, and c there will only be happiness once Israel is destroyed. One of the most kind of like incredible aha moments that we've all witnessed this week is、mm-hmm. an article on the front page of the New York Times, and it is very rare that I say that an article on the front page of the New York Times had any real merit to to thinking humans. Uh, but this one was incredible because it was an interview with、uh, the deputy、uh, director, if you will, the vice president of Hamas,、uh, and in it、right. he said very, very clearly, we actually don't care at all about Gaza. We don't care about building. We don't care about supplies. We don't care about the welfare of our people. Here's what we care about: we care about destroying Israel. And I think this 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 way of of sort of instilling and infusing not hope, but but hate, not、uh, care and compassion, but you know murderous desires in the population for generations. That to me is is honestly it's the greatest evil imaginable. Yeah, it is. You know, someone、uh, Douglas Murray. I don't know if you're familiar with him. My、Brit. dear friend. Oh, good. He's please give him, please. 
kiss him for us when you see, if you see him. He's 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 wonderful. He he said something. He said something fantastic the other day. He, uh, in in an interview with Piers Morgan of all people. But mm -hmm. but but he, he, he um oh I'm losing my train of thought. What was the point he was making? Um. Oh damn! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Somebody else go on. I it'll just, it'll I, I, it'll, I, I, it'll come I, to you. It was just, a great yeah, interview. Go ahead. I just <laughs> no. did. You see that interview then? Leo? I I sure did. And and you know again, Douglas is uh is is really uh, as as I like to call him after a, a our second or third martini, a, a truly righteous gentile, uh, but also someone who sees the world with with great moral clarity. And the question yes. he asked Pierce Morgan that 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 really kind of. Uh, stuck with me. Um, he said, okay, uh, when, when you look at these demonstrators marching in the street, let, let's assume that 80% of these people, uh, of these college kids, of these crowd of 7,000 human beings who gathered on the Brooklyn Bridge to support Hamas, let's say that at your first demonstration, you truly believe that the cause you're marching for is uh, freeing Palestine or uh, ending the unnecessary uh, bombing of civilian populations. Th those are all defensible, you know, even, even admirable goals. Okay, great. Now, by the first demonstration, when you start seeing people wave flags of a terrorist organization, and when you start hearing calls for genocide, would you go to the second demonstration? And if you hear it at the second demonstration, would you attend the third that is the, the sort of, you know, kind of like complete moral and emotional dissonance that I think is really, 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 really hard for a lot of us to get because these people who are siding up with these causes are, as we discussed earlier on uh, on this podcast, uh, are not only completely disconnected from any observable uh, reality, but also seemingly marching uh, in the service of a different ideology. And, and I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, what, what do we call this thing? Because it's not Islam, uh, a religion that I you know, have spent much of my life studying and has absolutely nothing to do with, with these terrors that we're seeing. It's not uh, leftism, uh, which is you know, a whole historical uh, setting with, with some achievements and, and, and many drawbacks. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I think it's paganism. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah I mean, yep. Yep. I think it, I think it speaks good, volumes. I yeah. mean, we, we go all the way back to what you were saying, uh, you know, in theological terms, we always uh, refer to the phrase, whatever happened to sin? Mm -hmm. a and, you, and you were asking the question earlier, you know, whatever happened to evil? You know, we, we, we literally are raising a group of young people who have no real tangible sense that evil exists. And I, 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 I love the fact that in that paganism, because within it is that moral bankruptcy that takes place, you don't have the sense Hey, we are in a struggle for good versus evil, etc. Hey, I just want you to touch bases real quickly, though, on your article. Uh, sorry, Obama, we aren't complicit. It's you who has blood on your hands. What do you think, Leo? What is what is Barack Obama doing behind this blame game that he's playing? I mean, is this not just? I found it just unreal when Look, I saw I, that I... interview. I have spent so much time, uh, so many, so many uh, months, if not years, of my life, 
yeah. contemplating Barack Obama. Uh, I, I will confess, uh, when he first appeared in the political scene, I was smitten. Yes, uh, I was. I was given much, you know, younger than I am now. But I took three months off of my life and went to canvas for him in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, uh, talking to people about why I was excited about this particular candidate. Sure, uh, gave him, you know, a lot of a lot of leeway, uh, even when things like you know Reverend Jeremiah Wright and stuff like that started yep, coming yep, on. I was yep. like, you know what, I'm 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 going to put this aside. I'm going to shelve it. It's fine. Uh, but then it became very apparent. Uh, you know, as always in life, just just a moment too late, that Barack Obama stood apart uh, from every other American president, Democrat or Republican, uh, before or after him, uh, because he seemed to espouse an ideology or have a set of deep convictions that no American president, Republican or Democrat, before or after him had espoused, which is the idea that America uh, was born in sin that America's role in the world has been, by and large, that of, of spreading uh, oppression and, and uh, mm-hmm. misery. And that, therefore, the great, as we say in, in Judaism, tikkun, the great correction that he ought to do, is bringing, cutting America down to size, bringing America down to its, uh, to its natural proportions, uh, robbing it or denying it the notion of, you know, of, of chosenness, of, of, of divine election, of American exceptionalism. Uh, and to do that, he embarked on a whole set of policies, most notably this horrendous integration uh, with, with Iran. With now, Iran, yes. that, wasn't just, uh, that wasn't just kind of like a set of knee-jerk reaction you know, to, to world events. That was a very distinct plan that he had of completely remaking the world again with an with an arrogance and hubris that only a college professor could have uh, to remake the world in a way in which America is much smaller and other regional players, the Iranians and the Russians included, uh, could finally have their say and and flourish uh, after uh, after mm-hmm. so many years of American power and imperialism and oppression. Uh, you are seeing that still uh, alive and well in the Biden administration, because yes. even though well, Biden, because that is the that is the continuation of the Obama correct, administration. Correct. Yeah. And and look, I I don't think Biden shares Obama's sentiments at all. Uh, his response, frankly, to to this attack uh, surprised me a little bit. I think he was a lot better than I would have expected. But the policy is still the same policy, and the ideas are still the same ideas, because in large part, if you look at the makeup of this particular administration, it is still stacked with Obama people. And it's not a coincidence that Obama is the first president since Woodrow Wilson to yeah. stay in Washington. <laughs> right. uh, and Woodrow Wilson only stayed because he had a stroke and literally could not walk. Right. So, you know, it, it tells you a lot. Uh, this man is still behind the scenes, and this man is here saying, well, you know, uh, Faults on all sides now, which is the you know the, the bizarre negative image of uh, good people on both sides. The infamous Donald Trump statement after the the Charlottesville bomb. Right, right, right. Uh, and so I think it's very simple. No, uh, it's not. Not everyone here is at fault. I think he is very much. Obama is very much at fault. He is the one who uh, vowed to use American power to save lives if red lines are crossed in Syria failed to do so, even as half a million human beings were slaughtered by their own regime, thereby allowing the Iranians and the Russians to have a much larger regional impact as possible. He's the one 
who came up with this Iran deal and, and brought the Iranians from the brink of collapse to a state of flourishing with hundreds of billions of American dollars at their disposal. Uh, it is his doing. He is the man who set the world on fire. Yes. You know, yes. It's, it, 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 and, Amen. And it, it's the ultimate, uh, you know, uh, college faculty lounge uh, thing that you, you sit and pontificate, which he did all the time. And But you're, but you got to make sure when he said that we're, we're all responsible, meaning don't look at me. My hands are clean. Mm -hmm. It's all about his hands being clean. And that was the whole image he has uh, tried to, oh, the, that, the whole, that he has yeah, tried yeah. to propagate after all these years. You know, you know, it, it's easy for, it's easy for someone pompous like him to say something with his, you know, Stentonian uh, uh, voice and then, and then, and then just, you know, walk away from it. Like, uh, it, you know, um, you know, the first thing I, I don't mean to get off subject, but I remember I didn't I didn't like him from the beginning. I, there was something about him I didn't like. But then barely into his administration, they had the thing with the uh, uh, the fellow, I forget his name, a professor at MIT or, or, or Harvard, who uh, he does people's genealogy on TV. And there was something someone came to the door, the cops came and there was a thing. And Obama comes right out and says the cops acted stupidly without Yep, knowing yep. anything and that was the beginning or one of the strong beginnings of 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 cops are evil us versus them you know the whole thing so uh you know i i i am thrilled that you uh that you put it out there and by the way in addition to that yeah, have, great did, article. did you hear what dershowitz said i i did not alan Der oh, alan dershowitz went on i don't know, whatever tv two three days ago and used words talking about he said uh, 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 he is uh, he is uh, sorry that he was ever friends with Obama he said I, I I regret that I invited him to my birthday party I regret <laughs> that no this is serious people I sent that I to know, you. I know uh, I know I, I regret this and he said he hates Israel he literally in on TV came out and mm. essentially said mm. Mm. Obama, screw you! I'm done with you because you are a Jew hater. Man, summer on Martha's Vineyard is about to get so awkward. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throwing yeah. a few, throwing a few illegal aliens. Plus that, it's going to be horrible. You know. Hey, 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 Leela. As long as we're uh, kind of ping ponging here back and forth on different subjects, I see where uh, 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 Mahmoud Abbas came out and said the Palestinian Authority is ready to assume responsibility for Gaza as part of a comprehensive political settlement. Where do you see? Because Israel is going to win in this conflict. Yes. Period. Where do you see it finally, the, not the end game, but uh, what, is, what is going to take place in that stretch of land? Let me, let me begin on a, on a much needed note of humility and say that if I could answer this question, I would be on a totally different pay grade. Uh, and, and we'll be talking to you from my private jet right now. Um, yes, or the White House itself. <laughs> or, or, you know, for that matter, the Vatican. I don't know, like some, some very high uh, yeah. form of authority. Uh, I, Your thoughts. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I, will, yeah. I, I, do, I do wish, though, to say a few things by way of, of much-needed reminders and clarifications. Yeah. There are a bunch of, uh, say, stylistic differences between Hamas and the PLO. There are absolutely no substantial differences 
between right. Hamas and the PLO. Mm. Right. Both wish to slaughter all Jews and eliminate Jewish presence from the river to the sea. Uh, Hamas wishes to do it under the guise of uh, some kind of thwarted, uh, what they call a religious belief, uh, and they wish to do it right now. The PLO wishes to do it under the equally thwarted understanding of Palestinian nationalism, which is not a real thing because these are groups of families and not a, a coherent national entity, and, and they are willing to play the long game and do it slowly, slowly. Yes. Uh, the Palestinian Authority pays millions of dollars, which I regret to say, millions of dollars that are now supported by American taxpayers. Right. So, uh, Biden reversed Trump's uh, kind of starving out of this uh, terror-supporting entity. Uh, to to people who uh, who murder Jews, every Palestinian who murders uh, Jews receives, as part of the so-called pay for slay program, a lifelong uh, generous salary. These are not people yeah, yeah. who we can negotiate with or yeah. or or be uh, in in tandem with. Now, what would happen? I think the key to answering that question uh, is a to abandon first of all to abandon very bad ideas like the so-called two-state solutions which we all fantasize about but requires uh you know the existence of a partner on the other end which clearly we do not have uh and second of all to work with regional actors uh who share israel's concerns uh who share israel's uh, interests mm -hmm. and the saudis i think are a, a key 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 ally here to continue the work that had begun during the Abraham Accords and create a kind of regional alliance. Because honestly, look, the problem here is not the Palestinians. In, in a very thwarted, bizarre way, Israel here, I don't even know that Israel should have attacked Gaza uh, or should have responded in Gaza uh, in the aftermath of, of October of 7. I think Israel should have responded in Iran, uh, which is clearly the force spreading all this death, all this destruction with, with know-how, with money, and with, with hardware. Uh, that is the sort of regional challenge you're going to see. And it's a regional challenge Israel, I think, is, is extremely well-poised to meet. As well, always, the Palestinians they, they, have bets on, on, on death and destruction rather than their own self-interest. Uh, mm, mm. And that's what they're going to have coming. You know, that's I, Israel has been uh, been sort of dancing around the edges of going after uh, um, Iran for for quite a while now. And uh, so it's it, it's 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 interesting you bring that up uh, as uh, as that's 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 where it all grows from. Yes, you stopped us. Yeah. 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 And it's just yeah. amazing to see uh, how our uh, different camps and so forth are being attacked and. Uh, we're having some kind of a totally passive response to it. It's, yep. uh, it, it, it and uh, you know, speaking of passive response, I'm thinking your own backyard, uh, uh, Philip. Where what was his name? Mr. Kessler, right? Uh, was uh, killed. Oh yeah, there was, and, this was out. And, in, yeah, and yeah. have they have they even had the sense? to classify that yet as a hate crime? I mean, it's it just amazing to me how all this stuff can go on. Uh, hate crimes can uh, take place at the snap of a finger. That kind of judgment is uh, is just a pro forma. And yet when it is a, a Jew and, and in an event like this, somehow we want to suspend judgment before we even classify it as a hate crime. Right, Leo? Yep. 
I have nothing to add to that. That is precisely correct and and so heartbreaking. And the uh, the the, the fella, uh, there's there's been um, uh, conflicting inf uh, conflicting information about it that that they made an arrest. Uh, 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 so I'm not sure if that was the case, but they've also found out that the the guy who uh, uh, took a, a bullhorn and uh, hit uh, Mr. Kessler over the head is is a college professor uh, at uh, I don't know Ventura Community mm. College something like that. So mm, I, mm. I don't know the upshot of that, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, by the way, I want to give, give a little uh, shout out. You know, you, you said uh, earlier, Leo, that you had seen the 45 minutes of, uh, of, uh, of footage, uh, and I did see that uh, or hear the audio of that, you know, uh, that young man gleefully telling what he did. Mm. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the... Uh, uh, actress and uh, Israeli soldier Gal Gadot, uh, because she she had a screening last night or the night before at mm. the Museum of Tolerance of that footage, and they were attacked by you know pro Palestinian animals as well. But I want to give her a shout out of, yeah. of, of of taking a stand and 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 using a venue to uh, to uh, uh, provide the public an opportunity to uh, see that. No, no I, I, that's that's very true. But like, even, even this is really one of those things. The 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 murder of Paul Kessler here is is uh, one of those things that I find myself grappling with and, and not able to really contemplate. Imagine this is this is a simple and and maybe a little bit crass uh, thought experiment. But imagine uh, an African American gentleman walking down the street and coming across a, a kind of white supremacist rally of the kind that sadly we had seen in American cities in the last, you know, six, seven, eight years. And imagine that person very peacefully just waving, you know, a flag or a picture uh, of Martin Luther King's thing. Hmm. And then that person being struck on the head, elderly black man in his late 60s, early 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I shouldn't say elderly because I'm approaching these, uh, these, these, <laughs> these numbers myself very quickly. Uh, and, and then dying. Uh, I think we would have outrage. I think yes. we would have nonstop discussion in every media outlet. I think every corporation in America would be putting out statements, making sure its employees were, were, were okay, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Here you have people debating whether or not the exact sequence of events is you know should constitute murder because maybe he was struck in the head first but then hit his head on the aye, curb aye, when aye, he aye, fell aye, aye. it's unbelievable it is just again again the, this inability to look at clear morality is is mm. devastating yeah yeah, you know, it, it's if if it, as if it were the scenario you talked about about young black men, you know, the the world would explode. This would be Michael Brown and uh, yep. and George Floyd, uh, you know, uh, X at ten X. Whereas here, we have to get into my one of my favorite leftist words. We have to get into the nuance of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've got to nuance this. You know, and and and. Um, I I, th I think just from my own uh, final thing, I think what has kept me awake uh, over the last month and the outrage I I, I have. Uh, um, my father was Jewish, but I was not brought up Jewish. So, but I have a connection to to Judaism, and I'm also I like to believe a moral thinking person. This has, and I've said it on the podcast a couple of times. This has sort of ripped ripped the scab off uh, a lot of stuff. 
you know, in 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 the world, and uh, this to me really makes the whole uh, uh, statement never again. This is there's got to be a even bigger pushback now because you don't know what's going to happen because the world is going insane and conflating everything and making people whose existence Hamas existence to be evil that is their existence that is their raison d'etre and to be supportive of that there's got to be a fight back because if you don't fight back it's going to get worse may I be so rude as to interject with a note of dare I say hope here. Please do. You know, it's now been uh, 30 days since, since October 7th, slightly more. Uh, and, and here's the thing that is going to stay with me uh, when I reflect on this period in, in, in months and in years and decades to come. Uh, it is how many of my Catholic friends and my Protestant friends and my Hindu friends and my Muslim friends reached out to say, we are heartbroken. This mm-hmm. is disgusting. This is an, a complete negation of anything that we recognize to be American, human, good, needful. Uh, they weren't doing it only to check in on me, though that in of itself is, is lovely and, and heartwarming and reassuring. They did so because they realized, uh, you know, the, the, the profound truth of, of I think, this, this thing I was alluding to in, in our very first, uh, you know, exchange on, on this here episode. Uh, it's the fact that this is, uh, this is not the struggle of the Jews. Uh, this is the struggle of all civilized people. Absolutely. And I see mm-hmm. so much love and so much fight in America today that I don't think there's any way we're losing it. No, no. I, w- I want to extend that beautiful thought uh, with uh, uh, this question for you. Um, your article, uh, How the Talmud Can uh, Change Your Life, which I think just appeared in tabletmag.com uh, on November the 8th. Uh, you, you wrote this. You said there's always, uh, am I uh, pronouncing it properly, Yavna? Is that it? Mm-hmm. There, there's always Yavna, a place of refuge that may not be where we had hoped to end up, but that would at least keep us safe and see to it that we survive. So where and what for you, uh, just extending on what you just said, though, is the sense of Yavna in Israel today after the horrors of uh, the past month, beginning with October? Well, look, uh, Israel, I think I'm, as you can imagine, I'm obsessively watching the the events there, and I am uh, completely blown away by the incredible, unprecedented, and mind-blowing level of cohesion of that society. You have teenagers setting up, you know, babysitter's clubs so they could take care of smaller kids (laughs) of parents who uh, have gone to war. You have high-tech people, you know, taking sites like Zillow in Israel and converting them into sites where people who've been displaced by the war could find a, a place to live. The society is completely mobilized. Uh, with one voice and one heart, and they're going to be great. But but I want to get back to this Yavne example that you mentioned, because yeah. I think it's a very profound one that, that we could all, not just in Israel, learn from. Um, I just wrote a book called How the Talmud Could Change Your Life. Uh, the piece of tablet was an excerpt from that. Right. Uh, I argued that the Talmud, uh, even though you would not think that this 2,711-page, 63-volume book is uh, you know, a light <laughs> beach read, 
I argue it's the greatest self-help book humanity has ever uh, produced. And, and this story that you alluded to is so perfect for, for this time. And with your permission, I'd like to briefly tell it. It's a story Please. that happens, uh, takes place in Israel in the year 70. Uh, and here are the Romans, and they're, they're setting siege to uh, Jerusalem and to the temple. And they're about to burn the whole thing down. Now, Judaism was at that point a temple-based religion. Burning down the temple potentially meant, you know, the, the destruction of the entire religion. And here is a uh, very wise rabbi named Yochanan ben Zakkai. And he smuggles himself out of town. Uh, and he goes to meet with Vespasian, who at that point was just a Roman general, but very soon uh, to become the emperor himself. And the emperor says, look, I like you. You're a smart guy. I, I could give you some wishes. And you would think the uh, rabbi should have asked, okay, man, please don't burn Jerusalem. But he knew that that was, you know, you can't stop history. And right. so he asked for three things that tell us so much about how we ought to approach times like these when things seem very, very grim. The first thing that he said, look, I know, I understand, you're going to destroy Jerusalem. Let me take a bunch of scholars and, and let us all go to a different city called Yavne and do the same thing there. A reminder to all of us that even when things and institutions that we love so dearly and care about so dearly, Columbia University, the New York Times, Hollywood, you know, institutions that we've devoted our entire lives to, fall prey to this madness, to this mm. moral craziness. We could always pick up and leave and go elsewhere and do the exact same thing. That's wisdom number one, and it's mm. intense. But here comes wisdom number two, which is even more intense. He said, okay, I also want you to guarantee that you would protect the family of Rabban Gamliel, who's this basically the, the rabbinic Kennedys, right? The, the, the most celebrated uh, carriers of Jewish tradition. Because yes. Because Rabbi Yochanan realized that if you just went somewhere new and did something new, people would say, oh, uh, so it's, not, it's, no, it's no longer America. It's no longer this thing that we knew. It's a new thing, and we don't know how we feel about it. He understood how important it was to preserve a bit of tradition, to make people understand that though everything's under new management, it's still the same old virtues and values that we believe. Mm, That's mm. super astonishing. But here comes number three. <laughs> and the most astonishing of them all. He said to the emperor, I want you to send a doctor to help my good old friend, Rabbi Tzadok, because he's sick. Now you think to yourself, come on, man. The city is under siege. Hundreds of thousands <laughs> of people are going to die. And you care about one old dude who's feeling a little bit ill? Like, what's up with that? But that's precisely the point. Because so often, you know, we, we get into these loops of thinking, oh, we must save the Democrat Party, the Republican Party. We must save America. We must save universities. We must save Hollywood. We must save the world. Rabbi Yochanan tells us, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Save just one friend. Mm -hmm. Be nice to just one person who needs your help. That's mm -hmm. how you begin to repair the world. Mm -hmm. That is the type of self-help that the Talmud still offers us, and God knows we, know we need it so desperately today. Mm -hmm. Amen and amen. Yeah. I uh, I love the story, and I uh, read it this morning. Now, is 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 has the book been published? Is it out now? 
It is out now. It came out October 10th because I have impeccable timing as an author. <laughs> I, I love you know, wartime publishing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, we would encourage all of our listeners, and I'm, I'm going to get the book because uh, I read it on fear that I might uh, convert to Judaism. It was so comforting when I read it today. But, you know, when I woke up that morning of October 7th, went downstairs and turned the news on and heard this, your heart sinks. And I thought to myself of you and my friends that are over in Israel and you know, you've got family over there and so many. And we just, we want you to know that our thoughts, not just thoughts and prayers, but yes, let us go to one, one individual whom we can help, whom we can be affirming to, etc. Because uh, therein is the beginning of change. We we can't think of it collectively. We have to individualize it. No question about it. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. True. Very true. Yeah. Well, folks, I, I don't want to ring a bell on this conversation. Leal, as things uh, com- continued to unfold, may we already go on record that we are inviting you back, sir? And, and let me go on record to say that I will be here whenever uh, you you so do, because I, I deeply respect and, and love the two of you and the show and uh, here whenever. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank, thank you, sir. And thank uh, you. Thank you for and today. And, yeah. and let's keep all good thoughts for, uh, for Israel. Thank you, friends. Amen. Amen. So that is it, folks. We are going to say... Goodbye to our very special guest, and thank you again, Leo Leibovitz. Go to tabletmag.com. Uh, the articles that he's written and his colleagues on there are um, uh, specifically stunning uh, regarding the whole issue that uh, we're discussing today. And again, we want to thank every one of our veterans for your service. May uh, God richly bless you. And we're thankful for you, dear listener. So till we meet again, uh, this is D. Paul Thomas and Philip Charles McKenzie inviting you to join us next week for another podcast of Entering Stage Right.